Hello and welcome to the McGavin Fry's Movie Podcast. I'm Ian. And I'm Gavin. And on today's show, we're going to be taking a look at The Magnificent Seven remake by Anton Fauquois. That's right. That's right. Remake of the classic that remade the classic. Mm. And a like, remake of a remake. And like any uh, good cowboy, you got to have your saddlebags ready. <laughs> can you see where I'm going with this? I can see where you're going <laughs> with this, yes. So if you need your urban, modern saddlebags... Mm-hmm. You should go to our proud sponsor, greenroom136.com's website. Yes, you should. If you'd like to check out many of the urban carry gears we talk about on the podcast, you can also find them at a new pop-up concept store at The Cubes on Level 2 in Sungawang in uh, Klang Valley in KL. Is that uh, regular opening hours then? Like I every, believe so. He's there every day? Yeah. Uh, he's not there every day. I walked by yesterday. There's someone else there. But but the kiosk is uh, The kiosk is there all the time. So if you want to go there and really, you know, sniff the leather, sniff the glove, as it were, you can uh, check it out. And it's Sungai Wong. And if you do like what you see, you can buy it there or you can buy it online at greenroom136.com. Mm-hmm. And if you go online, you can use the promo code. What's the promo code, Ian? The promo code is MACYAP10. M-C-Y-A-P-1-0. For and 10% off your next purchase. 10% off. That yeah. sounds like a good deal. Sounds like a good deal to me. I'm I'd gonna, buy that for 10% off. I'm going to go online and get myself a fucking bag right now. Well, don't typing as much as on the podcast. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. <laughs> okay. I apologize. My sinus is acting up. I got... You're going to... I swear. It, I heard you sniffle in the movie. I know. There's no coke. There's, yeah. there's no cocaine here. <laughs> it, it is a sinus issue. Uh-huh. I apologize if it gets on your nerves. So we're coming straight from the theater. We saw this just earlier today. Yes, we did. And it's a, if you don't know, it's a remake of the 1960s classic directed by John Sturgis. Mm-hmm. Starring Yul Brynner, Steve McQueen, Robert Vaughn, James Coburn. Starring a whole bunch of people that you don't want to be following in their footsteps. No. Um, this did get quite a bit of um, flack when it was first announced. I think when it was first announced, David Ayer was supposed to be doing it, right? Really? I think so, yeah. I, I think so, yeah. Um, and then Antoine Foucault came on. Antoine when Denzel Foucault, got involved, he's like, I want Anton. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Antoine Foucault is the, de- the director of uh, Training Day, uh, Brooklyn's Finest, Southpaw, and um, also uh, The Replacement Killers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck. The, the Mira Savino? Yeah, and Chow Yun-Fat. Jesus, yeah. that's awful. Chow Yun-Fat's uh, introduction film to uh, the his, Hollywood scene. Yeah, his American, his English language uh, debut, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know it's like the first time anyone's like doing their debut because their name's always like John Lee or some shit. Yeah. It's always some like really generic Chinese name. The Replacement Killers was a movie we kept trying to rent from a video store back in Ireland hungover and the guy behind the counter kept saying, no, no, put that one back at this one instead. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely enough, I mean... It's no, uh, I mean, it's not a great film, but I kind of have a weird soft spot for Replacement Killers. There's that one I shot actually, where they're shooting around and then they yeah. turn and shoot past each other. Yeah, There's yeah, some yeah. interesting shots yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. Magnificent uh, Seven is what we're talking about. The Magnificent Seven is what we're supposed to be talking about. So this remake stars Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt, Ethan Hawke, Vincent D'Onofrio, Byung-Hun Lee, as everyone knows as, um, what's his name? in Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow, but in, in Fast and Furious? Oh, I don't watch Fast and Furious. Oh, you don't? No, no, no. That's, no. that's a rule, is it? No, no, it's not a rule. I just haven't uh, He was Han. Seen. Han in the Fast and Furious movies. Right, right, right. The one that everyone kept saying, like, is he not dead yet? He's also the bad guy in Red 2. I mean, he's been doing quite a bit of stuff. He's yeah. also the uh, the evil Terminator in Terminator Genesis. So he's... What? Uh, in Terminator Genesis, he was the evil Terminator. I'm blanking. He was the evil Terminator. There was... <laughs> we gotta have an Asian in here for the Chinese market. Oh, back that, in the... T- that was him? Terminator Genesis, the recent... Genesis. Genesis. Gen- 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 f- 
fuck. What, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, he was the, at the beginning chasing them yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, yeah, before it yeah. all went to shit. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Uh, it also, the film also stars uh, Manuel Garcia Rulfo mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Martin Sensmere. And Peter Sarsgaard. And Peter Sarsgaard as Bartholomew Bogue, the villain. Yeah. Uh, Haley Bennett should also be mentioned. Uh, Emma Cullen, Haley, uh, the character who basically uh, approaches uh, Denzel Washington's character and then after that yeah. gets the whole thing going. So if you're not familiar with the original, the original is basically a group of poor Mexican farmers who are being played on, plagued upon by a bandito. Yeah. And they go looking to buy guns to protect themselves, and instead someone points out, well, Yul Brynner points out to them that you could buy hard guns instead of actual guns, and that's cheaper. Yeah. And he puts together a team, and they go and shake it up. My memory of the original is pretty much non-existent, actually, at this point. I, I saw it when I was really young, and I never saw it again. So I, I, I remember certain images from it. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre, because I'm actually a really big Steve McQueen fan, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know why I never revisited that film. Um. And when the uh, promos for this movie came out, I was somewhat curious to check out the original. But then I decided, you know what, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to... Because if you watch the original, you're going to go in there with the original's baggage. And I was actually quite happy with the fact that my memory of the original is actually quite weak. Mm. So uh, I, could, I felt like I could go and watch this movie with, um, with a clear mind, you know, and no, no real sort of um, preconceived ideas or no prejudgments about anything. Because I, I liked the, uh, the trailers. Mm-hmm. I thought the trailers looked entertain- ent- yeah. entertaining enough. I did the exact opposite and watched half of it last night. Right. <laughs> I, was to, I was supposed to watch the other half this morning, but my iPad ran out of power. And was that an issue for you? Was that a problem? No, not at all. In fact, I was surprised, and we'll get to this later, about the number of callbacks there are to the original mm. in this. But in this one, um, Peter Sarsgaard, as you said, is... Um, the, the villain, yes. Bartholomew Bogue. Bartholomew. He needed a middle letter, really, to be honest. Like Bartholomew J. Bogue or something like that. No, I'm happy with Bartho- Bartholomew Bogue. You know, you know the people like fucked up some takes saying that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bartholomew Bartholomew Bogue. Let me go one more time, please. Yeah, can we do that again? Let me get all the laughs out. <laughs> but essentially, he is evil incarnate. He wants this, these farmers' land. Yeah. For there's gold in them, their hills. Yeah. And um, Emma, Emma he's Cullen. basically a very uh, unpleasant person, and the movie starts with this. Uh, Quite well done sequence where we get a sense of just how evil these motherfuckers are, mm-hmm. and um, the answer is almost cartoonishly evil. Yeah, like the the. Okay, let's let let's get the plot first. We'll get to the critique later. So yeah, uh, Emma Cullen then goes to get help. She happens upon Denzel, who is a bondsman. No, not bondsman. He's a he says it a couple of times throughout it. He's a bonded warrant officer. Bond, warrant, bonded warrant officer. Yeah, and uh, he can he bounty hunter. Bounty hunter, basically. Yeah. yeah, and he pulls together a ragtag bunch of guys to try and defend this town. And there's a hint of this in the in, there's a hint of it in the in this current movie, but in the old movie, there's a real feeling of these are a bunch of gunslingers whose time is coming to an end. Yeah, rewatching it again the other night, it was this a whole idea of like himself when Yul Brenner meets Steve McQueen the first time it's because there's a bit of action happening on the time it's like where are you from Dodge where are you from Tombstone's like see any action over there no because like civilization has come yeah and it's changed the world yeah this doesn't have that very much no, at all no this this kind of feels like hey I got nothing to do yeah I think I'll uh, help these people out yeah. <laughs> Whereas in the original... even, even though there's no real reason for anyone to do anything yeah they other, just... other than just being like you know hey I'm just feeling nice today I'll uh, yeah I'll help you guys out 
or I mean, and there's there's there are lines that are directly quoted from the original. Like um, they say, "It's everything we've got." When they ask him, "This is what we this is what we can pay you." It's everything we got. Yeah. And uh, Denzel Washington says the same line. Young line. Yul Brynner says, which is, "I've been I've been paid a lot a lot in my pa- in the past from but my never skills, everything. but never everything." Yeah. Yeah, that line stuck out. Yeah. So yeah, they go get the ragtag group together. You have the putting the gang together scenes, just yep. like the Blues Brothers, and yep. then they get there and they, they see they they create a little bit of a ruckus, and then the guys go back and tell Peter Sasgard, and Peter Sasgard gets all cartoony, and he's like, "Get everyone! What the fuck? <laughs> get an army!" Yeah. <laughs> you know, he actually says the words, "Get an army." Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, they end up getting an army in as this massive siege. Uh, so in, in that sense, it pretty much sticks to the structure of the original. Yeah. Um, but it's... I mean, okay. Did you like it? I enjoyed it, but I did feel that it was a middle in search of an ending. I uh, Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying with that. I mean, that didn't really bug me so much, although I do know where you're coming from with that. Uh, for me, it was this interesting thing of, like, knowing that... All of the ingredients were there. Everything was there um, to make to make it great. Yeah. And for me, it just never got great. It never it never went beyond good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very. I mean, I can't. It's it's a bizarre thing because I can't really fault it. Yeah. It's a very well made film. Production, you know, production values are you know through the roof. Uh, everyone is well cast. Uh, and it does a thing that you. It's it it you can tell that uh, Anton Fuqua has a lot of affection for the Western genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the shots are really beautiful. There's some nice stuff as well where they show how one horse these towns are. You know, you see the town main street and the camera pulls way back, yeah. and you see that's just like literally just like six houses, yeah, or six yeah. buildings, and then it's like nothing. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, for me it was more sort of a pacing thing where it's settled into a certain rhythm, and it never ramped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when the fight, when the big sort of uh, battle comes towards the end, you, 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 I was kind of like, oh, so this is the final battle. You know, it didn't really feel like there was any sort of amp- ramp up to it. Yeah. Um, which I found quite confusing, a little bizarre. Mm. What I did find interesting as well, though, is that they didn't, like, it's not a straight remake. They mixed up all the characters. They're not even called the same names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and their traits are completely different. You know, like, Robert Vaughn was kind of a dandy on the run in the original, and James Coburn was just a very quiet, tall man with knives. So yeah. I guess Billy is a little bit of that, the the, the um, Byung Hung Lee's character. Yeah. But um, Denzel Washington's character is very different from Yul Brynner's. Yeah. Um, he makes a different take on the whole thing and the way they get together is very different I did find it well at the beginning the tone was a little bit waving like this could have very easily been a kids it could have uh, western but some of our main heroes do some real like hard ass acts pretty early on yeah and it's like especially there's a certain an ear gets shot off shall we say yes, yes. and that scene is like this is like going into 18's territory yeah, yeah but then the rest of the movie doesn't do that yeah so it seems to be on a weird falling between two stools of what it wants to set out to achieve well it, it, it seemed like the action really wanted to be an R-rated R-rated movie mm-hmm. uh, they wanted to go R-rated with the action but the character interplay suggests something a little bit more G-rated yeah uh, which, which was interesting I mean it, I mean I think for me it there wasn't. Uh, it never went Tombstone enough for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, like every every western for me, it's like, okay, is this Tombstone or is it Unforgiven? Yeah. Uh, the, the two kinds of westerns, and so this one for me felt very much like Tombstone meets Posse, you mm. know, that 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 Marrow Van Peebles black, yeah. black western. Um, and there were like it's got like it, it, it's got these these moments in it where they're they're these sort of like uh, 
trying to kind of have that same sort of feel as the the OK Corral sequence in Tombstone. Mm. And it never quite, for some bizarre reason, it never quite got there. And I think it's also because the way the, the characters have been developed is that they are there primarily just to do this particular thing. And beyond that, we never really understand where they're coming from. Mm. Uh, whereas in something like Tombstone, you have all of that sort of character development that by the time OK Corral uh, comes along, you're genuinely shit scared at who who might die. Yeah. Whereas I mean, with this one, you never really got, you never really, you're never really concerned mm. about who might make it, who might not make it. You know that some people are gonna die. Yeah. And when so, and when certain characters do die, there's something about it that feels like, oh, of course they're gonna die. Yeah. They have you been, know, they have been know, developed fully. Yeah. You know, there, yeah. there's. Or they have been overdeveloped. Yeah. So it doesn't quite doesn't quite hit the spot. Like there's one part where a certain character returns, and it, and it's they return before sunset. That's right, you know. Like, <laughs> and it's and it's this bizarre, th- <laughs> and it's this bizarre thing of like, well, you always knew that was gonna happen. Yeah, and, yeah, the good idea that was gonna happen. You he wasn't know, gonna and, and he wasn't not, gonna exit the movie. You're like not that. you're not entirely surprised. Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't feel horrible. It doesn't really feel earned either. Yeah, and they have hints going throughout as well. There is more of a background to these characters, especially Denzel's character, because mm. and there's references made to things that you haven't been seen yet, and then they they do play out. Nearly all of them do. Yeah. I think what you're talking about, though, it also could down to the fact that just that way the characters are developed and everything. Yeah. Whenever Chris Pratt is on scene, on screen, he's just star power is just overwhelming the screen a little bit. Chris Pratt is, you know, he's a bona fide movie star. I'd uh, fuck him. <laughs> I mean, in this movie, he is every time he's on screen. It's I mean, hard. It's hard to look at anyone else. Yeah, and he's like every line is a zinger. Like he doesn't. They don't drop bad lines for him. Yeah, yeah. He gets to do cool stuff. Um, it's really hard not to see him as just a bona fide star, Hollywood star. Yeah. And as a result, then like things like oh, and then an Indian turned up. Yes. There's an Indian character who is very much like he just turns up and joins, and it's like no time is spent on that whatsoever. He's just like my tribe told me I would do something else, and so I'm going to join you guys. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like the kid following him in the original one where he heard about the job and wanted to be in. Yeah. This is just some guy who stumbles on their path. Yeah. That felt sloppy. Yeah. I would say as well. I mean, there was. The original has problems with race a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Neil Brenner's supposed to be a Cajun. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but and, you know, it's and, a lot of- and in this one, Ethan Hawke's supposed to be a Cajun. Yeah, yeah. Good night, Robo Show. And the fact that you know Denzel Washington is a black character in the time that was ridiculously racist. I mean, yeah. they do play a little bit, but then they kind of just let, sweep it under the carpet. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, and they replace the Mexican banditos with just like. And, and Mexican farmers with white folk being terrorized by white folk. I mean, it is 2016. It's problematic if you do it the other way around. It becomes yeah. a white savior thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they didn't quite follow through with the rest of it. I mean, there is one thing about making a, a modern Western about, you know, modern tropes and things like that. But, like, there's hints that, like, they could have gone with. There's an ecological aspect to it at points. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they seem to start off that way when they're talking about, like, these farmers, their land has been poisoned by the gold mine. But that's kind of just mentioned and then dropped. Whereas yeah, that could yeah. have been a bigger thing. Yeah. You know, they, they're killing our lifestyle. It couldn't have been just like, they're literally murdering us with bullets in the street and leaving yeah. our bodies to die there. Yeah. It could have been more that they're just like big pharma. <laughs> and it might have worked maybe a little bit more for that. On the ending thing, I think I don't think we need to go into spoilers on this one. I think I think it's vague enough we could talk about. There is a scene at the very end that looks like very bad CGI. It looks like it was tacked on. You know the very last scene? The very last scene. Yeah. yeah. You know, the kind of like the narration of like... Oh, yes. Yeah, that did look CGI. Looks real yeah, bad, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it also ties into another thing that... Okay, this is the mall spoiler, but it's a musical spoiler. 
they don't play the theme from the Magnificent Seven like at all. Like it seems like they're working up to it at numerous points. Yeah, yeah. But... And they just don't. And when they do, it's like it's too late. Mm-hmm. Which really kind of bugged me because that theme plays all the way through the original Happening Boxes. It's like it's constantly there. Yeah. You've got more than three people on a horse that's play- on horses that's playing. Yeah. And I, I really like that. And I kept waiting for it. And even when the action ramps up, maybe that if that song had been playing under the action at that time, it might, it might have been slightly incongruous because of the bloodshed and that kind of happy tune or kind of triumphant tune. But yeah. When they yeah. ride, when when whoever rides off into the sunset at the end, yeah, that's when it should have played. I mean, we said it. In, I said it to you in the cinema. It's the fucking scene from City, City Slickers. Slickers. Yeah. And they just didn't they, they, like City Slickers did no, it City, better. No, City Slickers was bona- was bonanza. Bonanza was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. You're right. Yeah, but they did like they used. It's bonanza. But they used the old theme in a better way than they did in this. Yes, yes. Which I felt weird. Coming to the ending as well. The ending is very much the culmination of one character's journey. Yeah, and that journey leads to a dark place, which isn't a very satisfying journey for the audience. Yeah, and that's where again it felt like. We don't know how to end this. Like, there's a very clear way to end this, but it's like one shot, one kill, and then yeah. roll credits, yeah. which is hugely unsatisfying. Yeah. It felt like it could have done with another couple of weeks script polish with a better ending. I didn't mind the ending so much. The ending didn't quite bug me. Mm. I, I was all right with it. I mean, because it, it, ha- it, it almost kind of had to be like that. Mm. Like, I mean, I think it, yeah, it's a compromise ending, but yeah. like a better script writer could have put a bit more. I actually thought the bell was going to fall on the guy. The church bell, because it got, got so shut Right, up. right, right, yeah. That would, yeah, been, that, would, that, yeah. that would have been thematic with God's Vengeance, which is in that, around that time, or yes, praying yes, for forgiveness yes. and things. Ain't no forgiveness for you. This is the Lord's house. Yeah. So, the other thing that was massively distracting to me was the sexy lady outfits. <laughs> like, every every woman is dressed prim and proper with collars up to her ears. And except then, Haley Bennett. Except Haley Bennett, yeah, who's yeah, wearing yeah, yeah. the low-cuttest of low-cut blouses. I thought she was good in this. Yeah, she's good. I, yeah, I haven't yeah, seen yeah. her anything else. Have you? Um... Yeah, no, she's been in some stuff. She was in um, Holes, that Joe Dante film. Oh, really? That's a long time ago, yeah. man. She was in... Uh, she's in The Equalizer. That's why she's in this. Mm-hmm. She's in Hardcore Henry as well. I haven't seen Hardcore Henry. I haven't seen Hardcore Henry. And yet. she's in The Girl on the Train, which I've heard good things about. But, uh, oh, I mean, like, the the actors um, are having a ball. Vincent D'Onofrio Vincent- is getting to just, like, try something out. Vincent D'Onofrio just makes the most interesting choices. Yes. You know? He's the way he speaks in this film. It's bizarre. It's, it's bizarre, but and it's you keep great. expecting him to stop doing it because we're yeah. so familiar with him now from Law and, Law and Order mm. and, and uh, Daredevil. Daredevil, yeah. That like the fact that he keeps doing this and never drops the register is bizarre. But he's always been that kind of actor. If you go through his um... when he was Edgar. No, not just that. Like even you know, like when he was doing things, you know, like Full Metal Jacket. He's always mm. been a character actor. The whole wide world. Um, even like feeling Minnesota, that was another fucking bizarre character as well. So mm. he's, you know, he's got a history. The cell, the killer in the cell. I yeah. mean, like he's he's done some <laughs> crazy shit. <laughs> and what did you think of Ethan Hawke in this? Ethan Hawke is a character actor, and that's what he's doing in this. You yeah. know, he's uh, he's playing. It's um, he gets a little bit more fleshed out, but not as much as say you know Chris Pratt. Or yeah, something. yeah. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a nice little supporting role for him. And Ethan Hawke is very, you know, he's Ethan Hawke's a damn good actor. Yeah, it's very easy to, to watch him. He's he's never not believable. Yeah, uh, and and I I could say the same for the whole cast. I mean, I thought everyone did their job well. I mean, I, like I was. Do telling you reckon you, him and Billy Rocks were like the Western's first gay couple? You kind of get that impression right? a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like you forgot this, like you left it in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
You do kind of get that impression a little bit. And what that scene, there's a scene, the, the introduction of Ethan Hawke and uh, Byung Hung Lee, um, it's essentially the same scene from the original mm-hmm. with James Coburn. Mm-hmm. Like James Coburn is the, with the, the knife throwing versus yeah. the gun throwing. Like uh, that, there's, it's weird how how faithful it is in certain scenes. And like lines, there's that line, there's one about the, um, if they weren't meant to be sheared, why did God make them sheep if they weren't meant to be sheared is one. And yeah. another one is about there's a building in somewhere that's five stories tall. I yeah. think in the fucking, I think again, this feels like it was set earlier because in, I think in the original, mm-hmm. I think it's had 10 stories. And as he fell past each floor, he said, was it? So far, so good. So far, so good. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's nice callbacks throughout that. They, they flip it up a bit. Um, it does look beautiful, admittedly that. I did, I find myself laughing at it quite a bit, like laughing yeah. with it quite a bit, getting swept up in it quite a bit. I, I mean, think... the, I mean, Chris Pratt's little bit with the Mexican character is quite funny. That is, and also is. massively racist. It's great. It's, it's, it's one of those weird things. It's like, here is your character that you loved in Guardians of the Galaxy. You loved in Jurassic Park. And he's yeah. playing, Jurassic World, he's playing basically the same kind of guy. Yeah. But he does Just. some absolutely terrible <laughs> things. And you love him for it, which is problematic in itself. It's like the way he just goes up to the guy. He's like... Huh? Yeah, he starts, doing, just, he starts doing like a dancing yeah, thing. He's yeah. like, oh, we got a, we got a, we got a Texican. Hombre. Hombre. Yeah. It's just fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, and like little lines like, what are you, Guero or something he calls him? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, that, that's what the Mexican calls him. Yeah, yeah. The Mexican guy, what has he been in? He was, that, that was a weird thing. I was like, someone fell through at the last minute. Uh, Manuel Garcia Rufio. He was, he was in the uh, From Dust Till Dawn TV series. Oh. Yeah, because I didn't recognize him at all. And then Martin Sensmeyer just seemed like a uh, discount uh, Tyler Lerner. Especially bit. when he turns up in face, like yeah, yeah, full yeah. face gear. A little bit. And it's like, wow, so this guy's got a really good makeup artist. Yeah. He is in Westworld as well, actually, so that's interesting. But, I mean, overall, I think it's worth seeing on the big screen. I mean, there's a lot there. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a bit long. Uh, but, uh... It looks like it's almost the exact same length as the original. Yeah, it's two hours, 12 minutes. It's a little bit older, longer than the original. The original is two hours. Yeah. Um... I think there's just a lot to be said for the original. I would suggest rewatching the original now because there's a lot of quiet menace and small acting in that. Mm-hmm. Like the whole relationship between you and Brenner Brenner and this kid who wants to be part of the seven. And he's not part of the seven until he gets there and gives a speech, which is exactly what the seven have in their mind. He's just done better than everybody. Yeah. But the first time that that kid like tries to, you Brenner humiliates him with this kind of clapping thing to try and like how fast you on the drop. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back later drunk. And the kid rants and rails at him, and the other guys are all like in the bar with their guns ready, just in case his kid gets out of hand. Yul Brenner never even fucking looks at him, and doesn't say anything. And that scene is almost more powerful than anything in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that. Just even Yul Brenner taking the string off his gun. There's a lot, Denzel does a little bit of this, where he's like taking the, they're taking the cover off the holsters, yeah, like yeah, they yeah. have a button on it to keep it down. Yeah. But there was, I was just amazed watching the original on just how much small moments make in that. You know, Steve McQueen joins Yul Brynner because they're supposed to bring, there's a, I think it's a black guy, or an Indian they're going to build bury in Boot Hill. And locals aren't going to let that happen. And Yul Brynner's like, I'll drive the fucking coach. Mm. I'm looking for some action. And Steve McQueen just grabs it. Give me a shotgun. I'll ride shotgun. Never, I never rode shotgun on a hearse before. You know, and they're just like two guys just doing that. And it's, it's so, like there's more dialogue in the first half hour of this movie probably than there is in all of the original one. Yeah. It's just all silent moments and, Craggy face, John uh, Bronson looking at Charles Bronson looking at stuff. Yeah, it's kind of movie make we don't really get anymore, I guess. Well, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I mean these are classic films. Yeah, and, but it doesn't. And, movies, it doesn't and, and it doesn't hurt. The, I don't think it hurts the original. It's also, different enough. But also, movies aren't made the same way now. No, you know, movies are made by committee now. Yeah, uh, they weren't back then. And so, that's that's where I think that tone thing comes in, where like it's like 
it might have been heading for an hour and they said like we'll cut it back to just like this little bit yeah I didn't see there wasn't a especially a movie this expensive yeah. yeah. No way in hell is this like a singular vision. Yeah, did Chris, a, 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 did, did, a movie did Chris with Pratt, this much money in, in, involved. Did, did Chris Pratt sign up for this before or after Jurassic World came out? Because he, he could have been a one-trick pony after Guardians of the Galaxy, but obviously now he's just making bank. Uh, I think it was roughly around the same time yeah. as Jurassic World, yeah. yeah. And he's got Passengers coming out with Jennifer Lawrence. That's going to be huge. Yeah, it just sounds weird, that movie. I'm, I'm worried about that because the original pitch was he wakes her up. Yeah. Which, massive dick move on his yeah. part. Although... Again, yeah, you're right. Chris Pratt is the man who could make that yeah, work. Yeah, he, he's the he's the guy who could make that work. Yeah, I mean, for the, for years it was being developed. I mean, Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves was, and was, uh, Rachel Weisz, right? Uh, I think she was involved. I mean, it was Rachel McAdams, I think. Oh, okay. But uh, but but Keanu Reeves was developing this project through his uh, production company for years. Yeah, the, I think we read out on years. one of the, one of the last <laughs> podcasts we did with notes. We talked about how. Um, and then it was going to be Keanu Reeves and like Keanu Reeves mentioned he was bummed about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he'd lost the, the chance to do it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, go see it alone with Chris Pratt. If you like Chris Pratt, you love him in this. Yeah. Yep. His, his performance is explosive. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that ends the podcast for today. If you want to uh, join in the conversation or disagree with us or agree with us, you can email us at podcast at com. You can also tweet at Gavin at GavYap. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, at uh, Gavyap or Instagram Gavyap77. And that do me. And uh, you can also uh, <laughs> look Ian up at McNasty Prime. That's right. On Twitter and on Instagram. Yeah. So that's our uh, verdict on the Minnesota 7. Let us know what you thought. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.